0: The El Conservador radio show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. (laughs) time for the El Conservador radio show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on this beautiful March 1st, 1st. Uh, Saturday in March, March fourth, should I say? Welcome to the show, my friends. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great program for you to do it today, as usual. Um, we're uh, we're going to be talking a lot, my friends, about the second phase of the uh, of the border crisis. What we keep forgetting, my friends, too many of us keep forgetting and concentrating on watching all of those thousands—well, I guess millions—of people crossing the border crossing over, uh, from Mexico. However, my friends, this invasion, this border crisis is much bigger than that. At this point, my friends, there are over 5 million that have crossed over just since the Biden administration took over. And these 5 million, my friends are now in your backyard. They are in your community. They are spending your tax money. And they, my friends Again, they have never put a dime into the system, yet they are taking out of it. They are, they are being helped with, uh, <clears throat> with health uh, benefits. They're being helped with housing. They're being helped with travel. Uh, I mean, my gosh. I mean, we are supporting them completely and totally, and they just got here. Imagine, <clears throat> imagine your ancestors that came to this country uh, being helped in the same way, they would have gotten used to it, and this is the problem, my friends. People get used, become dependent on the government, and this is what is happening with this this group of of, of uh, immigrants. <clears throat> so anyway, let's t- Let me tell you real quick who our uh, guests are because uh, they, they are uh, a good bunch, and you're going to want to hear it, hear what they've got to say. First of all, we've got uh, uh, Mr. We've got Mr. Todd Benzman, who is the uh, who is the author. He is also a, um, uh, a, a research analyst with the Center for Immigration Studies. He's got a brand new book out, my friends. You're going to want to hear it. Uh, it's called Overrun. Oh, I mean, and, and its it's got a perfect name, Overrun, because that's what's happening to us. Uh, Todd's going to be our first guest. Our second guest is, is uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Sean Walsh, who is the Border Patrol Council president for the local in New Hampshire. He, uh, the border crisis is no longer just in the southern border, my friends. It is now in the northern border. And he's going to be chatting to, uh, with us. He's going to be telling us what's the difference between what is going on up there versus what is going on down here. The, 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 the problem, my friends, is, uh, are the resources and the staffing. Because so many Border Patrol agents are needed on the south now, the, the north is wide open. And the cartels, the uh, uh, smugglers, uh, the illegal aliens are taking advantage of it, my friends. They are coming across the northern border now, and uh, I, I'm sorry, but that's a new. That is the new battleground. We also have uh, Mr. Uh, 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 Chris Russo. Chris is uh, with the. Uh, he is with the. Uh, he is president of the Texans for a Strong Border, a new, a new organization, and he's going to be chatting with us about what his organization is all about. He just took a trip down to uh, the, the Rio Grande Valley uh, and, and telling us exact, uh, a little bit about what he is up to and what his organization is all about. Our final guest, and you're going to really want to hear this one, our final guest is the new county, uh, is the new Kenney County uh, judge, uh, John Paul Schuster. He is a rancher. He is a uh, resident, of course, of County, and now he is the uh, highest elected official of the county. And he's going to be telling us, he's going to be giving us an update of what he is facing with his citizens, his residents in that county, my friends. It is overwhelming. They literally are being run, overrun, to uh, use the, um, the term that Todd Benzman's book is all about. They are being overrun. And uh, they've asked for help. Of course, the federal government is giving them none, but uh, the state is giving them some. And they have also petitioned uh, counties outside the state to provide uh, support and deputies for them. And he's going to be chatting with you uh, about the war zone that they live in now, my friends. And it is a war zone. It is. They have lost their sense of safety, their sense of uh, of uh, home Uh, It it is outrageous, my friends, how these people in Kenny County are suffering, all because we have a globalist administration that cares more about the rest of the world than about American citizens. There's no two ways around it. No two ways around it. This is exactly what is happening. And it's a shame. So, my friends, sit back. Call your friends. Tell them to join us. Uh, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, um, we have a blog, we, have, uh, we post the shows uh, on, uh, on the internet, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, tell, tell everybody about them and, 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 and learn, learn what is happening in your backyard and the crisis that's coming into your backyard if it's not already there. So without further ado, my friends, let's go to our first uh, guest, Todd Benzman. With the Center for Immigration Studies. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Bensman, who uh, has just finished writing a new book, my friends. And uh, I mean, if anybody is on the front lines and, and uh, knows what's going on, not only on the front lines, but what's going on behind the scenes, it's Todd. So, uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell us about your new book.
2: Great to be here. Well, uh, Overrun is the name of the book. Which I think is
1: appropriate. (laughs) Overrun.
2: (laughs) Let's just say it's descriptive uh, of the situation. Uh, And the subtitle is How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History and it just uh, hit bookstores nationwide on Tuesday. Uh, the book is uh, published by Post Hill Press, Bombardier Books, and it's available on Amazon and everywhere else. And the book is um, a, a documentary on the mass migration crisis, the biggest that has ever stricken the United States by far. Uh, still ongoing. We're in the third year of it now. Looks like we're going to have a fourth year after this one. Um, we'll, we'll, it's, it's allowed into the country, uh, probably on the order of five and a half million people so far. And, uh, we may have, uh, you know, eight or nine or even 10 million by the time the Biden administration ends, which is just simply transformative, uh, to the nation
1: it you know it's very very interesting uh perhaps um you know you can comment on this but yesterday there was a um or yesterday should i say on on uh thursday of this past week there was a um hearing in yuma about the uh hospital uh system there being overrun uh by the um Uh, Illegal aliens who come in to have a baby or who have uh, uh, who are in dire straits. At any rate, they have there was a congressional panel there and no Democrats, no congressional Democrats, no local Democrats showed up to um, uh, either hear or address the issue. I mean, where is Mr. Biden and his people in this whole thing?
2: Well, they like this. They want it. They orchestrated it. It's um, maybe in their minds one of their greatest successes uh, that they have managed to arrange for the elimination of American border enforcement, of uh, interior deportations, of of um, completely dismantling uh, congressionally approved statutes and replacing it with Policies that create the condition that all of those statutes were intended to prevent, which is just massive waves of just the hugest tsunamis of mass migration ever to crash into the United States in an unending succession. And um, they want it. They like it. And so I don't think that they um, are interested in doing anything that might alter the course of it.
1: Let me ask you, uh, in, in in writing your book, the research that you did, uh, what kind of research did you did, do besides uh, uh, visiting the border?
2: Well, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I spent a lot of time at the border with the primary sources of this story, which are the immigrants themselves. Uh, I've I interviewed many hundreds, uh, probably thousands, over the last couple of years to determine, you know, why are they coming now? What's their circumstance? What, what, what's, what are their calculations? Uh, but I've spent a lot of time also with border patrol agents and, uh, with my head buried in data, apprehension data, government data, uh, government reporting, testimony before Congress, uh, to try to, and, and the historical record of, of, you know policy under both the Trump and the Biden administration, and of administrations prior to them as well about you know immigration at the border and enforcement.
1: Did uh, in any in any sense of the word is there any indication that uh, the Biden administration, the Democrats, let's just call them the Democrats, um. Want to put any kind of brakes to this uh, or try to stop it or try to uh, at least control it?
2: No, uh, quite the opposite they're they're really um, you know it, 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 you know applying a, a lead foot to the gas pedal, so to speak, uh, It seems like they want to do everything that possible to increase it, to have more of it, but to hide it so that you The general public can't really see it very well to obscure it uh to you know keep the statistics uh confused and um to make sure that the media stays away and nobody asks too many questions but that ultimately uh i think what they want to do is you know if they could double triple quadruple it they would and i think that they intend to
1: that's you know that's 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 amazing, the uh, the the media's role in this. Uh, do you address that in the book at all?
2: Yes, uh, I do talk quite a bit about the media. Um, I mean, I don't complain too much; it's not about them, but I I do note that you know this is the greatest immigration event in American history. I mean, Ellis Island ha- has held that. Position for a long time, you know, there's a big museum and with millions of visitors. And, um, you know, it, 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 all of uh, the high schools in America pretty much teach Ellis Island. And I think this far uh, outstrips Ellis Island as a major immigration story for, for the United States. But the American media. Has for the most part, they they parachute in every once in a while and they'll they'll hit it. Some of them, but for the most part, there's no media down there. I mean, you can go down there and you know be the only one. Uh, it's like being at a um, you know a fabulous feast, a buffet or something, and you're the only one in the banquet hall. You know, you could just pick and choose. The stories are just incredible. It's a human story. Mm-hmm. It's a um, it's a transformational story about about the United States. It's going to change everything permanently for generations. So um, I'm glad that I was able to uh, publish a book about it that kind of helps to fill a lot of the gaps.
1: What what do you want the people to get out of your book be- um, when they read it? What what's the main message that you think they should come away with?
2: Well, the main thing is that you know you can't you you can't understand how to get out of a situation you can't really address a problem until you admit you have one uh and then once you admit you have one you know how did you get into it how did you arrive at that problem uh, and i think that's kind of where we are and this is sort of the diagnosis of the problem in a in a really heavily documented way uh overrun is a book that takes a first stab at his at writing history, the history of this thing, and I hope that others might come in behind me, uh, and and continue building the blocks of this history. I, I really hope that you know, twenty years from now, it'll be uh, valued and maybe taught in high schools or it'll be cited by subsequent works. Uh, because this is something that has just simply never happened to the United States. I'm pretty sure it hasn't happened to any country anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Europe, uh, Europe came close a few years ago, 2015, 2014, when they had a mass migration. It was major news, international news, but that one only involved about 3 million people. You know, we're at 6 million now. Wow! And th- this is just one country, the United States. That was the European Union, twenty-seven states.
1: Wow! Incredible, buddy. Uh, any final thoughts before we let you go? Where's your book available? Uh, no, How can they follow you? Uh, Where no, is it available?
2: Well, you can follow me at Benzman Todd on Twitter and T Benzman at Getter uh, The book is, like I said, it's uh, should be available in you know your local bookstore. Amazon Barnes and Noble anywhere books are sold online you can buy this thing overrun uh, how Joe Biden unleashed the greatest u.s border border crisis in US history
1: amazing my man thank you very very much folks we're talking with uh, mr. Todd Benzman uh, one of the premier experts on uh, the Uh, Immigration crisis, the border crisis that we've got going on, and he's got a brand new book called Overrun. Todd, thank you very much for taking time to be with us.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got our good friend uh Mr. Sean Walsh who is border patrol council president local president in uh, Swanton uh Vermont up in uh, uh up, up in the northeast part of uh, the US and uh I wanted to get him on to uh, chat a little bit more about um what is going on in the in the northern border uh Sean welcome to the show thank you for taking time to be with us as usual uh I wanted thank to- you. I wanted to ask you about the difference because we down here in the Southwest, of course, uh, we know about the Mexican border, but uh, the northern border, the Canadian border, it's much larger, and it is uh, it it is much more less populated, a whole lot less populated. So you got vast areas. What um, what I mean, you've worked down here? What is the difference in doing? Um, uh, border Patrol work up there Versus uh, in the Southwest
3: Well there there's many Differences between the northern border And southern border which you had indicated one of the size The size alone is more than double the size But we patrol it With far less agents than the southern border
1: that, That's very very You know that's amazing to me that uh, Of course uh, the northern Border has never been looked at in the same Vain as the southern border, so therefore, I guess you would have fewer resources. But um, you know, in a time when uh, it's starting to heat up, I guess having fewer resources is really crippling.
3: And that's from leaving the border completely wide open.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what happens when somebody crosses the border up there? Um, uh, what do you guys? I mean, do you guys uh, hold them? Do you guys uh, ship them someplace else? What is the process? Uh, what's uh, uh, different, or just what is the process of how you handle uh, uh, contacts up there?
3: It's similar to the southern border, but it brings its own challenges. Um, the facilities up here for processing and detaining are different because they lack the uh, they lack the resources to be able to move the bodies quickly um, so we're looking at additional at additional processing and detention times than this southern border
1: so you don't hold them as long I guess is that it
3: well we just don't have the facilities as like the southern border is set up right now mm-hmm. to process and, and transport these bodies we don't have the NGOs in place we don't have um the the larger facilities and additional manpower to process these individuals. And so when we're processing these individuals, we're bringing this manpower, which which is already a lower amount of manpower than the southern border. We're bringing these people out of the field and leaving
1: the border unsecure. Gotcha. Now, we have heard, or I have read, Uh, let me know if if this is accurate enough, but that there are a lot of Mexicans flying to Canada and then coming across.
3: There is. Um, So what it is is it's almost like a visa waiver where they're allowing them to just pay an application fee and fly into Canada.
1: Wow. And then once they come back in, I guess they just uh, uh, apply. um, Well, they can't apply for asylum. What do they do? They, They just... Uh, melt into the uh, into society well,
3: it really depends on on what their backgrounds are, but largely we 're doing the same thing as the southern border
1: catch and release and catch and release wow that 's incredible what about uh, what about other nationalities like we 're down here in in, in texas we 're talking uh, most recently about uh, Chinese and Asian and other asian uh, Uh, folks that are being that are being uh, intercepted
3: we're catching every everything as the southern border is catching everything as well
1: wow now uh, in your sector you're in the northeast do you know anything about how uh, the uh, the the um, situation is over on the northwest over in spokane and and um, vancouver is it similar
3: the the entire border is similar in terms of the lack of resources, and the administration's policies are allowing or promoting people to come across. So it doesn't matter where you are on the border; it's it's happening everywhere.
1: Yeah. What about rescues? I mean, since you've got such a vast area, um, do you, are you guys involved in in many rescues out in the woods as well?
3: Yes, especially during the extreme cold weathers, these uh, organizations and cartels are pushing these these bodies through the border regardless of, of temperatures, and, and obviously they're not going to have the clothing that they need and gear that they need to, to be out in the woods when it's in the negative temperatures.
1: You know, I just cannot picture somebody from Venezuela or Nicaragua being prepared um, for a canadian winner i just can't yeah it's uh, it, it's mind-boggling to me that that they would uh, take that uh, that chance but i guess they are
3: the cartels don't care they care about one thing they care about making mm. money and if they can if they can cross these people and get them out of their hands and make money they'll do it mm. they're not worried about their safety mm.
1: uh what about the issue of manpower Uh, As far as uh, staffing goes, Um, what I guess numbers don't really matter, I guess percentage, what percentage of folks uh, in the northern border have been detailed to the southern border and left the northern border vulnerable? Do you know
0: a
3: large part, a large percentage of of the manpower is what I can tell you. We enough that these cartels and organizations have set up shop on the Northern border and creating an over 800% increase.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, one, one last question. And this is, this is a very important one because we are, we have seen it down here a lot, uh, is the issue of the morale of, uh, of, of, uh, the employees. Um, Given that you're in a, an area that's got a long winter and sometimes lacks sunshine, as well as um, just extremely cold we- cold weather, what is the morale like for uh, for folks up in up in that area?
3: It's not good. It's it's really down. I mean, we agents want to secure the border. They want to protect the borders and protect the american people and this administration is not allowing us to do
1: that well wow. really that's really really terrible buddy thank you very very much for taking a little bit of time to uh, educate us a little bit more about what is going on the north northern uh, part of the border anything else that you'd like to um share with us before before we let you go
3: no just keep up the good work
1: we uh we do our best but more than anything else we do our best to support you guys. We we really really do. We we thank you for your sacrifice and everything that you that you're doing. So, uh, folks, we've been speaking with our good friend Sean Walsh, who is the Border Border Patrol Council local president in Swanton, Vermont, up in the Northeast. Thank you very very much for taking time to be with us, Sean. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got a new uh, guest with us, someone joining us for the very first time, Mr. Chris Rousseau, who is president. Of uh, Texans for Stronger Borders, and uh, we wanted to get him on and find out about his organization, find out what he's up to. Apparently, he took a a recent trip down to the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining us. Tell us first of all about uh, your organization. Give us a little bit about background about you and the organization. What's the purpose? What do you intend to do?
4: Thanks, George. Uh, my organization, Texans for Strong Borders is a nonprofit that's focused on um, engaging the grassroots to better uh, talk to their elected officials about policies on the border and also to provide policymakers with resources to make informed policy decisions um, when they're up in Austin making laws or even up in D.C. And so what spurred this organization on is that I saw in starting in January 2021 when Joe Biden came into office, an unprecedented crisis start to unfold at our border. And now uh, about two years later, you know, we've got 5 million encounters with law enforcement, 1.2 million gotaways. And what that means for people is that when you include the people that were never detected, we're probably looking at seven to 10 million people that are coming into our country illegally in just two years. And so I saw this situation unfold, and I said that somebody has to do something about it. And I saw that there were a lot of groups around the state that were focused on single issues, but no one was really organized and um, well-positioned to do something on the immigration front. And I decided that I should pursue pursue this. We got together a couple of uh, old friends of mine in um, in politics, and we started Texans for Strong Borders.
1: And um, what I mean when we t- when you talk about doing grassroots stuff, give me an example of um, what is it that you uh, that you're hoping to do or that you will will be doing?
4: So one of the things that I that I do is I go around the state and I talk to various organizations that are local. So for example, I was just in the Rio Grande Valley and I talked to the McAllen Tea Party and also True Texas Project Rio Grande Valley, which is in Harlingen. And so these are relatively small groups of very Um, active individuals that are active in the political process locally, many of them block walking campaigns. They write letters to their representatives, whether it be at the state level or the federal level. And so by engaging with these people who are really at the heart of the conservative movement, um, I think that we can activate them in a useful direction to, you know, they see the problem as it's unfolding, but a lot of them don't know exactly what they should do. And so we can inform them on the potential solutions to the border crisis, both at the federal level and the state level, and engage them to contact their representatives and say, hey, you should be voting for this bill, or why don't you file this bill on our behalf? Something like that.
1: Now, let me ask you this because um, yesterday in Yuma, Arizona, there was a, um, a hearing, a congressional hearing, uh, regarding the border and the impact of all of the illegal aliens coming across economically, uh, politically, et cetera, et cetera. Now, at that event, at that hearing, virtually no Repu- no Democrats showed up. Uh, on the contrary, they are accusing um, the folks that put it together Of uh, racism and of uh, being anti-immigrant, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, How do you respond to something like that?
4: Well, this is a pretty typical tactic. You know, um, I and and a group of officials from the state of Texas went to Georgia a couple of weeks ago to testify before their state senate's committee on interstate cooperation, and the Democrats on that committee did the same thing and lobbied or lobbed the same accusations afterwards instead of addressing this crisis instead of addressing this crisis that affects people of all economic stripes of all races um there they will just throw out these usual slurs against people who are trying to do the right thing and what's what's really interesting is that they often do so out of this misplaced sense of humanitarian concern um and all the while, you hear testimony from the people that are actually on the ground. Like, for example, the person from the Yuma hospital system said that they were overrun, that they were on the verge of going out of business because they were forced to provide indigent care for all of these people coming across the border illegally, and they don't have the resources to do it.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, the uh, what would you tell uh, the the mayor of New York uh, who is now screaming and yelling about um, more money for his uh, city because uh, so much of it is being taken up by illegal aliens um, would you suggest uh, maybe closing the border rather than asking for more money
4: <laughs> oh definitely I think that I think that often the Democrats will will try to treat this crisis as sort of a sort of an issue of logistics rather than an existential threat to our future. Um, They'll say, oh, well, we just don't have enough resources deployed to handle the influx of people. And so we need more money. We need more immigration judges. We need more shelter space, whatever. But they're unwilling to address the fundamentals, which is that there are millions and millions of people. I mean, you're talking about if the second largest city in the United States coming through the border in the last two years. That's just a number that we as the United States, one, the people who have, uh, our representatives have voted on federal immigration law. And if they wanna change those laws, then they have to put it to a vote. We can't just have people coming across willy-nilly. And two, we cannot handle that magnitude of people coming across. And so I agree with you. What I would tell them is, if you want the influx to stop, then you need to get serious about how you and your, uh, your party members at the state and federal level um, address this crisis. And so, and that's really what I, I tell him is, you know, this is a crisis of your own
3: party's making, largely.
1: There's the second por- component of that, uh, of the open border problem, and that's the uh, drugs that are coming in. Um, How is your organization addressing that?
4: Well, we think that this is uh, a multifaceted problem. As long as there are people coming across, there are going to be drugs coming across. And so um, we think that if we try to secure the border as much as possible, you know, by um, having the state of Texas declare an invasion to where they can properly address the, the border crisis, you know, Operation Lone Star, for as much as it's, Shortcomings have been in terms of reducing the number of people coming across. They have apprehended a lot of, um, of people carrying drugs, but I think that if you try to decrease the number of people that are coming across by addressing the magnets that bring people here and keep them here, the, uh, you know, the benefits, the taxpayer funded benefits, the free health care, the free schooling, and then also you address the Security at the border itself. I mean, um, whether it's inspections at ports of entry or it's technology that's deployed between ports of entry, um, those will all help to address the the fentanyl crisis. And the fact is, is that human smuggling has become a bigger money uh, money maker for the cartels than even the drug business. And so, if you stop the human smuggling, you really are going to take away a lot of the lifeblood of the cash that's going into the coffers of these that are the most evil organizations on earth
1: um, if you had a I mean you're, you're addressing the magnets um, which had so I mean it, forever the uh, illegal immigration has been uh, spurred by people wanting to come across the border to work uh, for a better life etc cetera, etc cetera. however uh, do you think that uh, there there would be the uh, if tomorrow conservatives took over, would there be the uh, uh, will to stand up and deport people, particularly the millions that there that, that we have now? Or do you think that um, you know we're, we're, we're going to have to settle for some kind of amnesty at this point?
4: I would say that this is the biggest untapped uh, potential. On the right is basically the difference between what our politicians have said that they will do and their inaction over the years and what the base really wants when they're polled. And what it will take is, you know, what you're alluding to is correct, I think, in that Republicans and conservatives have failed even when they've had power to address these issues adequately.
1: No kidding. Because, <laughs>
4: yeah, certainly. Been and there, done that's that. that's part yeah. of the reason— and that's of the reason that I created my organization, was not only to address the crisis caused by Democrats, but to help hold conservatives or so-called conservatives accountable for fa- their failure to address this crisis. And um, I, I do think that without extreme pressure from the base, without the grassroots being fully engaged and fully invested in this fight, that you will see some sort of uh, amnesty. I mean... People like John Cornyn have alluded that that might be what it takes to get any sort of border security through the Senate, and unfortunately I just don't think that we can settle through that for that. Um, I believe that the only way that conservatives are going to have victories on this front is by engaging with their elected officials all the way through. That is, before they go into session, while they're in session, and then at the ballot box in the primaries. And so that's what I would encourage the grassroots to do. I think it is achievable. I wouldn't be in this fight if I didn't think that we could achieve uh, meaningful meaningful reform, especially in the face of the crisis that we're facing now. the The consequences have never been more readily visible than they are now. And so I think there's A lot more political appetite from the base And even in the mainstream of the party um, To achieve meaningful reform
1: Sounds good, sounds good Uh, We're going to need to let you go, buddy But um, tell the folks how they can follow you Or where they can follow you Do you have a website or something That they can uh, 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 follow you on?
4: Absolutely Uh, You can find us at strongborders.org Or on all social media At strongborders.org Tx Again, we're Texans for Strong Borders. That's strongborders.org.
1: You got it. we got to get you back on again sometime soon and uh, give us an update of uh, what's going on. All righty?
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, George.
1: You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got a new uh, a new guest with us. Uh, from the Kenny from uh, Kenny County right down the road here and uh, it's uh, the new county judge he is the new executive as we would call it here in here in Texas we call them the county judge but he is the head of the county uh, Mr. John Paul Schuster and he was recently elected and taken and has taken office I wanted to reach out to him and chat with him because uh, Kenny County, as all of you know, has been kind of like the epicenter of the fight by uh, Texans uh, against the invasion that uh, we've been suffering. And um, so, uh, Judge uh, Juice, uh, Schuster, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Um, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about um, first of all what it encouraged you uh, or inspired you to run for office. And uh, secondly, what um, what do you what do you plan to do? What are your what's your uh, plan for uh, Kenny County?
5: Oh, what well, What inspired me to do it was I, you know, I'm visiting with Judge Shing and our previous judge. He's he uh, said he, he wasn't going to run again. So I felt you know calling there and stuff that you know good people got to step up and uh are the or we're not gonna it's just going to keep getting worse for us. On the state level and at the national level. And I just I'm prayed about it a little bit and visited with my family. And I just, you know, I said, Hey, I, you know, this is, this is something I feel a calling for. And I, uh, I feel a passionate about our community, our county. I lived here 30 years now. I obviously wasn't born and raised out here, grew up in central Texas, but my wife's from Evody and um, we live on a family place there um, in, in Kinney County and stuff. And we, I, like I said, I came to Kinney County in 1993. And so I just felt like, Hey, this is my home now. It's my wife's home. Our kids were born and raised here. They're all grown and gone now doing their thing successfully as adults. Um, So I felt like, you know, good people got to step up at every level, Um, city, county, state, whatever, but we got to keep stepping up and keep um, speaking letting our voices being heard.
1: Right now you, you are a rancher. You're a property owner there in Kenny County. Um, what have you seen with regards to this illegal alien invasion that's been going on for the past few years?
5: Oh, well, it, has, it, it has totally changed our lives. Um, my wife is the, the ranch manager. She manages and runs her family's operation and stuff. And it has just it's, it's turned our lives completely around. Um, we don't go anywhere that we're not armed. We don't leave the house before daylight. We try to be home before dark. Um, we keep our windows and blinds closed all the time we live in the dark at night no no lights on at our house uh, other than tv light or something like that keep our doors chalked every night when we go to bed we chalk the front door and the back door um bought a dog have a dog that stays in the house has a and he travels travels with my wife um every day when she runs around does her ranch ranch job and ranch chores and stuff and goes with her and stuff to help just alert her um Always had some sort of foot traffic, but nothing, nothing like I've seen in the last two years. Unbelievable the amount of foot traffic and trash. Um, tear things up. They're so destructive now, and, and, and like they're they're entitled to something. Um, had a group of four probably three months ago at the barn there, close to the house. And granted, my house is 25 miles from the river, so I'm not on the river by no means. So by the time they get to me. They're 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 they really are trying to be get into the country undetected. And um, I we're at the barn. They wanted water. I said, right here, you know, water hose and a spigot. And they told me they wanted bottled water. They wanted Dasani's. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> You gotta be kidding me! I, I don't have that. But I just have water. And um, called Border Patrol. Um, it was one of the rare occasions that Border Patrol was able to come and they picked them up. Um, most of the time, it's the uh, sheriff's office that comes. When they show up at our house and stuff, or the uh, DPS officers, um, we're very fortunate. Operation Lone Star and Governor Abbott and what his team has done as far as providing extra resources and help for these um, counties that are on um, on the river, these rural counties and smaller counties and stuff. But our our whole community, our whole county, we're just—it's uncomfortable. You're not comfortable anymore um, going outside at night or, or or you know walking. My wife used to walk a lot. You know and stuff and whatnot, but we don't do that anymore.
1: Uh, let, let me ask it's... you this, uh, Judge. Let me ask you this because, uh, Kenny County is a small rural, uh, small in the sense of population.
5: Yes, sir, small a, a small
1: population. population, a rural county. It's got a huge area, a large area, but it's a small population. Has this invasion, uh, this illegal alien border crisis that we've got? Has that affected the um, the population uh, and and economy of the place? I mean, have people moved out? Uh, are people had, moving out?
5: Yeah, we've had some place um, some larger absentee landowners or, or property owners that have put their property up for sale. Um, hunters that have quit bringing their families, their wives and their kids out, just because of the safety mechanism. You just don't know. Uh, and then you know there are some places that have been for sale for a while and it's i have my real estate license and it's there hasn't been a whole lot of property been sold and moved in and around kenny county just from the sheer fact that people you know we are on the on the radar and we and people have heard how bad our our foot traffic is and now our high-speed chases they actually smuggle in the chases and the vehicles and stuff it's has really ramped up here and stuff and it's it's a daily occurrence. It's a nightly occurrence. We're on guard twenty four seven. I mean, it's and we're trying to slow it down, stop it, or, or prevent it from getting into the interior of Texas and then thus into the United States. We're yeah. we're, we're struggling. We're not we're not winning the the battle at all. Um,
1: the the state has uh, provided some assistance. Uh, counties yes, have provided some assistance. Yes, sir. Um, has uh, that helped uh, very much?
5: Yes, it. Yes, it's helped quite a bit. It's it's relieved to where our, our our sheriff's deputies can actually help work our community and our county while those other sort of resources help work the highways and stuff and the foreign market roads and so forth that run through our county to help with the pursuits and the bailouts and apprehensions and stuff. And actually arresting those those IAs, the illegals that are trespassing. We have quite a bit of landowners that have signed in and said hey if you catch them on me I, you know i'm willing to file trespassing charges against them mm-hmm. and it simply starts a record on them and stuff like that um it's a drawn out process it's it's aggravating sometimes but it's it's a deterrent and that's and that's what you know i come in judge Sheehan and our county attorney and our sheriff you know two years ago over two years ago when we declared a disaster and innovation invasion process and went through all that they were taking the best possible action at their time of what they thought was best to protect our constituents of our county nobody had any idea what to do the process or what needed to be done but we had you know they met had to make a, a educated decision on what was best to help protect our county yep. uh, we have lost their, we have lost quite a bit i would say economically because our county is mainly a hunting county a, a recreational county as far as income is concerned, there's not very many sheep and goat operators anymore, or there's not a whole lot of cattle. There's some still, but not not like there was 20 years ago. And so there have been some folks that have those commercial hunting operations that it's hurt, and it's hurt our little communities, our little stores in our community. When, you know, the deer hunters aren't coming in and buying gas or buying groceries or buying corn and stuff at the feed store and stuff like that. So it has had an economic impact on us, as, as well as a, a very... Tough impact on us is just mentally and physically feeling safe in our homes.
1: Yeah, it must it must feel like you're in a war zone. I mean, I I can't describe it in any other terms. Maybe, yes, sir. But uh, it it's got to be it, it's got to be uh, awful. Um, do you uh, from the visit that um, the president that President Biden made with um, to El Paso recently, as well as his visit with the Mexican president? Um, have you seen any kind of changes at all?
5: No, no, sir. No, mm. no, that, that, <laughs> that, that didn't affect anything. Got Upset those folks in El, El Paso, Yep. you know, <laughs> when they went in there and cleaned it up and swept it up. And all those local people say, hey, this, you know, this is not what it looked like 24 hours ago. You're not seeing the real thing, the real deal, what's going on here. You, you know, when the buses that are going up and down the highways and so forth.
1: Well, uh, we need uh, we need we need to to conclude a little bit. What's your message to Texans and the rest of the United States as a county judge?
5: You're gonna you're gonna have to speak up, and you're gonna have to do it in, in a manner in a in a mechanism that is receptive to those that are listening, those that are willing to listen and hear to our story. We can't get up and throw a chair through a window. We can't act like that. That's what the other side is doing we have to separate out immigration issues and policies from border security policies. We can't co-mingle those two. And that's what they've done. They've co-mingled this and just made it a big, you know, fiasco and and they're not addressing either one of them. They're just how they can close their eyes and go to sleep at night and say that they left, they did, you know, America's better off than when they started is unbelievable. I just can't even imagine if they actually lived here on the border and went through this and had this happening day and night 24 7 the the unlevel and the uncomfort that we have now that has just been totally stripped from us i don't know we'll ever get our comfort level back we'll get our safety back to some degree um hopefully but our comfort zones it's just because my backyard's bigger than yours doesn't mean that they're welcome Yep. There's a process to do it. Go do it the right way. You're more than welcome to come that way. We're, nobody in my county is against immigration. Yep. Okay. But we're against the invasion of the illegal immigrants. That's right.
1: That's right.
5: And, the, and this, you know, I'm, I'm seeking asylum or whatever. They've already lived in another country on their passports. So if they're on their passports away in Mexico and cross, I just magistrated two females from Honduras where's your ID? They told us to throw it away at the river. When we got to the river, they told us to throw, throw our stuff, all our identification away, passports and everything.
2: Uh-huh.
5: And then they got called up. They got called about 20 miles inland in Kenny County. The brush cutters team picked them up in the middle of the night. And I went and magistrated them for trespassing and stuff. So somebody's telling them, somebody's coaching them, yeah. you know, and, and I, I, you know, you, you, as a as a human, as a Christian, I've gotten sober. I don't even stop anymore to help anybody on the side of the road, and that's not me. I wasn't raised that way. Mm, yeah. You know, you see somebody broke down with a flat or something. You, you, you know, I had the tools on the truck. I got an air compressor. I got all the tools. I can change the tire pretty quick. I don't even do that anymore. I don't yeah. take the chance. I just, you know, it just it's, it has just it has put you on guard and put you to where ever suspicious vehicle you see or ever out of state. I've magistrated, I've only been in office since January one. I've done people from Californias, from New York, from Oklahoma, and a lot from Texas that are that are flying in, driving in, you know, picking up the illegals or whatever, and then driving. Trying to you know, they're just it's all through social media, social stuff. And I'm like, y'all are just wrecking you don't do you realize the jeopardy? Well, I got two small kids. Okay, but do you realize your kids may never see you again? Because it, you could have very easily picked up two or three really bad guys, right? And then they throw you out or kill you and take A, off with the car.
1: Again, we, we've, we've, uh, I've got to let you go. But
5: yes, sir, appreciate the opportunity. I really,
1: really want to get you back on. We, we do, we do updates of Kenny County because you guys are, like I said, the epicenter. So I got to get you back on sometime, uh, probably next month, and you can tell us what's going okay. on, give us an update. All right. Well, well,
5: we'll keep working at it. And God bless Texas and God bless the United States. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Got you. it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we're ta- we've been talking with, uh, Kenny County Judge John Paul Schuster. Judge, you be safe.
5: Y'all too. Thank y'all.